0: Welcome
1: to Distill365. The show where Steve and Marijn distill Office 365.
0: So, so, Steve Dolby here, and uh, I'm going to let Moraine do the introduction, because I always do the introduction.
1: Oh thank you i was not expecting this i would like to dedicate this podcast to uh my mother the powers above and uh i don't know we're we're above a freaking building with a really nice view, so i think we are the powers above today is that
0: right we're the power
1: yeah we're the guys holding the microphone so we can do
0: what we like episode nine office 365 distilled is still on the road. Uh, We did a podcast yesterday. We're gonna do another one today just because Hey, man, we can just do another one and it's a beautiful blue Barcelona sky Uh, we've been uh, Had a great night out last night Uh, But I think I I want to talk about how technology is ruining the world, but I'll come to a little bit on that later Uh, we had a fabulous Japanese meal um, with some fairly average whiskey last night, wasn't it? It wasn't nothing that was completely knocking us out. So we didn't do a whiskey podcast last night, but we've got a few saved up to plug to the end of this one later.
1: Well, we we tried to have one knock us out, and it was called the Knock and Do. So But it, it failed. Yeah, it was. It was uh, uh, It was an island malt. Somebody's trying to
0: do something a bit modern, but it, it was losing something. But there you go. So I want to briefly talk about technology. We... Maren and I have been doing this a long time. I was thinking this morning as I was going out to uh, uh, walking around the streets of Barcelona for a bit of an early morning walk about how long I've been doing this game. Um, And I was thinking about how many of of my mentors have sort of moved on now, you know, uh, Clay Scott, Hey, Clay, I know you'll never listen to this, my friend, but uh, you got me into SharePoint when it first came out, 2000, 2001, going through team services. Uh, thank you for that. That was brilliant. You uh, gave me this. This is uh, one of those mentors that really put you first. So yeah, that was really, really neat. And, you know, conversations with Mike Ferguson in the other days and Jeff T for now and again, watching these guys take on SharePoint and really move it to where it is today. So yeah, I've been doing this for nearly 20 years. As long as, as old as everybody says to me it's not 20 years old yet actually it's not far off the beta stuff came out 99 2000 uh, if you got a chance to see it and then of course team services came out so 20 fucking years <laughs> and here we are and last night i saw technology ruining something beautiful absolutely did so we're in Barcelona. We were looking out what to do. I went to see the wonderful uh, Sagrada Familia and I think that's my new favorite building in the world. I uh, really, really loved that. So if you're in Barcelona, got to go see that cathedral. It is just like no, no other cathedral Yeah, As Maren says, stunning. But then we decided last night to go to the casino. Barcelona casino. It's, a, I don't know, kilometers walk away, two kilometers walk away or something. It's a nice wander down. and. I don't. I'm not a big gambler, but uh, I do enjoy, you know, take 50 bucks, 50 euros, or whatever, turn it into one euro or half euro chips, and just have fun for a couple of hours. You know, if I went to the theatre uh, to see a live show, it would be the same price, so I'd get two hours' of entertainment. Yeah, but but like. Playing with chips doesn't appear to be there anymore. Most of the tables have got like an iPad screen on, you put a code in and you work out what you're gonna gamble so you can't kind of play with the chips. And the roulette table has all but disappeared. You know the sound of the ball running around is now a bit like doing the lottery you know the lottery machines um you you choose Excalibur or Xeros or Zeus or whatever they decide to call them and they run some lottery numbers off all done away there was these two roulette wheels in the middle of middle of the room and around it was all of these digital touch screens it looked like a James Bond baddie you know with his Henchmen all going... The evil lair. The evil lair. lair. Nice, the evil lair. And you just sat on this screen and you just decided what number you want and then the little things spam with the ball and away you go. And, of course, I'm a very trusting person. But, you know, when a man swings the ball around the ruler, I can see that he's done it. If it's just a machine, I, you know... Surely, with a few magnets in the right places, it can decide which number is going to pay out the casino more. And there's no magic there anymore, you know? I can't imagine myself being dressed in a dinner suit with a black bow tie being James Bond, yeah. all on black.
1: Walter PPK hidden somewhere uh, next to your ankle. Yep. Yes,
0: absolutely. And. Uh, you know the uh, the bad guys lady giving you the eye the opposite side of the table because you're you, you know you know you're gonna get on with the bad guy yeah so romance is dead in Barcelona casino unfortunately so yeah I was not impressed with the technology and we started talking about teams a little bit yesterday didn't we and we we're talking about some of the user voice Marone was uh, so much whiskey you can't remember oops yeah we had a number of conversations yesterday uh, we talked about all the things we'd change so with sort of may conference coming down in vegas and we wondered what could of microsoft jeff and the team are going to tell us they're going to change this year so we talked about a lot of stuff like that
1: i just read the, uh, one of those uh, tweets from dan holmes saying that this is going to be the most awesomest spc in three years where they did the future of sharepoint they're gonna announce so much stuff so part of me thinks is thinking like oh is this just a marketing thing to get more people coming to vegas or is this really going to be something worth dan wouldn't do anything like that of course
0: not (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess so i don't know uh, i know that uh, if anybody's in in brussels on uh, that day then i'll be doing beer and pizza and we'll we'll do the uh, the live launch again as uh, we have done the last few years but where they're at but yeah we were talking about the kinds of things we change which i think we might save for uh, for a later podcast but we did talk about user voice a lot yesterday yeah and uh minimum value proposition and, and microsoft's current way of of working stuff which is neat you know um we talked about forms didn't we uh and the licensing aspects um the fact that forms came out and it's a very simple process see whether people like it or not dump it into a spreadsheet and then you said there's new licenses coming out some team some form pro licenses
1: or something yeah true so um we're gonna bring out a next uh Yeah, actually a little bit like they're doing with uh, a bunch of other stuff as well, so you get the default one in your normal E1, E3 license, and then uh, now there's talk about uh, bringing out a pro uh, version of Forms, so um, yeah, we'll see. And I haven't just asked you to say something that
0: as an MVP you're not allowed to share. No, it's good, he's picked that up somewhere else. So yeah, we, we talked a little bit about that. And we talked about user voice and how, what a wonderful tool that is to sort of try and get users' inputs um, for Microsoft to sort of understand where the product needs to go to and all that kind of stuff. And then we talked about the ever-famous private channels on Slack, which, you know, moraine and I both completely ignore, just, you know, I'm sure you guys have already worked this out but you know, create a new library in the Office 365 site, change the permissions on the library, throw the web part on the page, and put the page on one of the tabs in the team. And hey, you've got a private place for sharing documents. You don't have all the conversation bits, I do get that. But you know, this is about collaboration, folks. And if you really want to say something confidential and private uh, on, a, on, a, on a chat, Then maybe you should email it to somebody because it's you know, or uh, set up a new team. So there's always a way, Um, and I think that uh, we can overcomplicate some of this technology a little bit, like automatic roulette machines that choose a number for you so you can play on a uh, on a team. So
1: yeah, we did that. There's also this um, feature that you can now have a uh, in Teams uh, some kind of group chat. So if we would be having a if we would be part of a team and we want to have some kind of private channel, what we could just do is do a, a, a chat, give it a name, um, and we could also exchange documents there. So that would also be kind of a private channel. It's not in your team, I get that, but yeah, it's a private way of uh, having a conversation as well.
0: Yeah. I think it's uh, it's a strange world, really, when we can suggest stuff. And the only reason that people are thinking about private channels is because Slack does it. So they go, hey, we can do that in Slack, but we can't do it in Teams. But it's the same interface. You just create a new team. Sorry, guys. Being a bit cynical, maybe, maybe you guys have got a really, really good reason for having a private channel. And please tweet us. Uh, do a hashtag Office365Distilled. I'd love to hear it. I like to learn as well. Uh, Rather than sort of just sitting here rabbiting away about what we do and how we make it work. Yeah, we can sort of take it from there really Uh, The other question I wanted to ask is whether anybody has had problems with creating teams in their organization Where the security team or the active directory team are sort of saying, you know Hey guys, you're creating all of these active directory groups and we like to control our active directory groups uh, And whether that's sort of uh, kind of causing any problems. Uh, I got a customer that uh, Um, Is a bit concerned likes to kind of have control of their active directory groups so sort of teams has been kind of disabled for the time being until we can find a way of tracking those uh, active directory groups and uh, and see what happens Uh, and the other thing was uh, the Delve conversation came up this week for me as well Um, and uh, again people know my view that I think people will learn the technology if it's available to them and uh, nobody wants to give anybody delve because hey they might get to see a document they know they're not allowed to go and see so you know there is a get your security model right get your security model right all right I'm gonna pass this microphone over to you so that you can say something profound I'll give you two seconds are you ready all right here's Moraine with a profound comment of the day
1: well one of the things that we have been uh, talking about yesterday Um, was about uh, what we wanted to change uh, as well. And it just occurred to me that uh, we're now talking about private channels in Teams. And um, what we can absolutely see is that there are a multitude of ways of getting around that. So we talked about uh, getting a document library in there uh, with uh, specific permissions. We talked about having a group chat there where we can... uh, Uh, share some documents so um, one of the things that I would love to see um, not personally for me but for a number of my end customers who are not into technology as much as we are is uh, they're complaining sometimes that um, SharePoint or Office 365 allows you to do the same thing in many different ways (laughs) And uh, that's just one of the examples. So for me personally, I...
0: Let's let's not forget that that's the difference between an Apple environment where there's only one way to do it and a Microsoft environment where there's multiple ways of doing it. Because people are different, Moraine. People are different. I know,
1: I know, I know. And uh, for me personally, I just love the, the fact that okay, I need to do this, uh, this this thing right here, so I can choose how I want to uh, do that, but that's just because I love technology and I know all the ways how it works and I can choose which way would be the easiest or the simplest or just the one that I wanna show or uh, how I feel like today. Um, but I know that a number of uh, people uh, that are working uh, for at my customers, they always, um, they just want to have that one way they just want to have me say okay um if you need to do this yeah click click a red button click button here click that button there and uh, next 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 finish and your task is done and um, i know for those people they're they're yeah uncomfortable with having all these buttons there now i know that microsoft has done a lot of work uh, around that so in the modern sites i really dig the new uh, menu for example which is a lot cleaner i remember with sharepoint 2013 where you had that big ribbon and if you didn't have a lot of um, permissions uh, on on the library for example you would see a lot of buttons still there but grayed out and i just think that that was causing a lot of um, yeah, how do you say that? Unrest, confusing. confusion, um, and um, I think they really did a, a good job on the modern, uh, with the modern navigation. Uh, but I think there's still some work to do. Uh, um, so, what would you want them to change? What
0: would you actually want Microsoft to do to improve this for you? Because you know I disagree with this. So,
1: ah, <sighs> good
0: question. Well, while you're thinking about that one, this, here's how I would approach it. My approach would simply be that. You give the instructions to the users that they like to do, and you, that's the one you document, and that's the one that you show them. Because I'm fairly sure your instructions don't show you the six ways of creating a new document library. So, so maybe it's just as simple as that, but surely it gives you the choice. Or is it that people can't show each other how to do something because there are so many different ways of doing it? Nodding your head on a podcast doesn't actually help, Marine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's subject, though. It is, it is, it is. Um, hmm. Not quite sure how to get that. Yeah, But indeed, so the choice is something I really like. Um, some of my end users uh, don't. Um, yeah, Draw- I'm drawing a blank here.
0: Listen, when they're a Formula 1 driver, they just have to get in the car as our users and put their foot down and go and make sure it stays on the road. So they turn on their computer, they just follow the instructions you give them in the management of change or in your adoption guidelines, and they get on and do it. So if it's confusion, then maybe you should buy them an Apple Mac.
1: Yeah, but that's, that's kind of the same of, of uh, the whole onboarding process, for example. So people have to learn new technology. Um, and if you ever uh, take a look at the uh, Formula One steering wheel, there are so many buttons on there. And I'm, I'm just wondering, like, um, would any of those buttons b- have a different meaning if you have a different setup? For example, if I'm uh, running uh, a fast lap, um, in in um, trying to, to to score a really good time uh, to get me in front of the uh, starting grid. Um, would any of those buttons have a different functionality uh, than when I'm in race mode and trying to save my tires, for example? They do have different functionality. It's one of the most
0: complicated parts of it. Um, I mean mean, we're talking I think tens of thousands of different combinations of buttons to do what they need to do Mm. and I think even from what I they have simplified it over the years Uh, but coming down to the start line and and the setups they need to kind of do the launch although there's no launch control anymore so yes they do need to know that just like our users need to know how to do things that works for them the drivers need to know how to do something that works the car the best way possible Mm. maybe it's just normal now you know you don't have just
1: 10 buttons on a phone anymore where you dial a number and you press go yeah but then again so you were talking about our visit to the Sagrada Familia yesterday and there uh, at at some point uh, on a wall there was this um, plaque on the wall with uh, I think it was uh, numbers for four rows four columns or oh, five yeah. rows five yeah. columns yeah. Four four. Um, with numbers on it and we were thinking like okay what what does that mean so in the end we visited the shop and we saw this little uh, plaque there as well and there it had the explanation on it so there were all kinds of numbers on there and apparently uh, that uh, was giving you over 130 different uh, combinations how you can use those numbers to get to the number 33 the, the the age of jesus when he when he died and uh, no, I'm, I'm not religious or anything but um Let i thought no but i thought that was that was super interesting out, because it's just an easy four by four so you got 16 uh, numbers on there and that would give you over 110 different combinations on how to get to a certain result
0: all right so what you're saying is that life can be simpler or life can be more complicated yes but here's the thing about that square we went out the back of this uh, this cathedral and we were looking at, at the designs and I, I have to say i think this is i think i said earlier this is kind of come become my new favorite building in the world but uh, and there was this plaque on the wall about five meters up we're just looking at it we had no idea what it was and it was obviously something that uh, Guardia, i guess had designed or come up with and we never thought any more about it. But we did talk about, hey, what's that? Why is that, what are those numbers there? We did a few calculations and worked out that his birthday was in there somewhere or you know, his birth date or, or whatever. Um, and eventually, as he said, we, we found out just purely because there was a poster on the wall showing you how many different combinations made 33. Um, but it was kind of our uh da vinci code moment he <laughs> was yes he was and actually if anybody's read dan's latest book it actually takes place in that uh, in that cathedral as well but maybe maybe that's what users are used to now they they're kind of disappointed if it's simple you know they're kind of if 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 all they do is hit the red button and it does what they want to do and they do it 10 times a day surely they go is that all it does i've waited like six months for this office 365 project to turn up all those people have been working on it i've been watching all these videos and all i do is i hit that red button and that's all it does
1: that is interesting so that kind of means that because so many people worked on it and it costs so much money it better has to look freaking complicated oh i totally disagree with that one i think i think the more work you put in the easier it has to look or it has to work or it has to be for the end users. Now, also, I read some uh, tweets about the whole SPC thing coming on, and I kind of have the feeling that AI is going to be very, very important there. Um, now, I don't know. I haven't seen anything uh, coming out. And if I did, I probably can't tell you about it, but I haven't. so. Um, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to see how AI could play a role in this whole thing. So I want to upload a document and maybe Office 365 is going to figure out, hey, this document that you uh, uploaded, it uh, contains this and this data. Therefore, it has to be that kind of document. Therefore, you have to give me that kind of metadata. Maybe. Or that these are the functionalities that you will have with this kind of document.
0: And your argument is that the complexity that you don't like is going to be replaced by somebody making the decision for you.
1: Yeah, and I think uses so, yeah. And like that. Oh, I, yeah, exactly. I, oh. We're, we're, We
0: started off by talking that, that we're removing Delve because it's giving people too much knowledge or information about the documents that they're working on. Perceived, perceived knowledge. Yeah. Perc- yeah. so, but uh, perception is only a minute time scale. hey Oh, I thought that cloud was black, but it's not, it's white. I perceived it one way, but I soon find out what the truth is
1: so like so, this thing a few years ago with the dress is, is it white and blue or is it uh, orange and, and whatever what yeah you, nah, never mind no a few I think it was last year or two years ago there was this picture online somewhere and uh, apparently uh, 50 or 60% of the people uh, were looking at that picture and saying okay this this dress is uh, white and blue and uh, a number of other people were saying no this is orange and whatever so there was a difference in, in how people were perceiving that color. So It always amazes me
0: what crap you can talk about when you're sitting in a bar drinking whiskey. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, the conversations kind of go wild all over the place. All right, but, but perception is interesting. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that um, how many times do people only use the same six things when they get something new, when there's actually 35 really cool things that they just don't ever get to know about? Because they they go, they go open up teams, they put in a chat on the team, and um, and then they close it again and they go on and do something else. Yeah. Or they open up their email, they check whether there's any new emails coming in, and then they close it again. So a lot of this technology that, that comes out, and I'm not going to call it complications because I don't believe it is complexity. I believe they're features and functions. It's a bit like that steering wheel. I need to know which of those thousands of combinations I need at that start line, watching those red lights, when those red lights go off so that my car is set up to be in the best position to hit that first corner without having Grosjean flying over my head in his car because he likes to cause his accidents uh, or whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. So when I turn Outlook on in the morning, you know, I need to be able to see these are the three things that are important to me out of the 25 things. You know, but still know what twenty-three is on that one day when I'm trying to find that email from John that has that file in because everybody likes to store their documents as attachments in Outlook or whatever. So I don't know. One red button I think is gonna minimise people's capability of the product.
1: Yes and no. <laughs> I love
0: that definition. <laughs> There's no one answer, is there?
1: there isn't no no and and the, the funny thing is there's there's so much uh psychology going on as well so on, on the one hand you have that whole fear of missing out so fear of missing uh, an email fear of missing a, 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 a team's message a chat these things um so yeah you have that um so you, you need to try to balance that with technology, so all these psychological effects that are happening as well.
0: Yeah, and, and we know that ever since Windows 3 first came out, Microsoft spent a lot of time looking at the psychology of the user, and um, you know that's why Windows took off in terms of what it did, because they, they talked to what was a small amount of people today, but 50,000 people then identifying how best to set up A desktop and a a computer and stuff and office 365 i guess is the same thing sometimes though i do wonder whether there's somebody looking after the office 365 product as a product because we are starting to see a lot of technology groups dealing with specific apps inside the product so you know there's a teams team we know that there's a sharepoint team if you read user voice and you read some of the feedback from microsoft those people move around from team to team. So Microsoft prioritize work in different applications. Yep. But I wonder whether there's actually a team that says, hey, this is the overall big picture for Office 365.
1: There probably is. I think those are uh, the group of product managers, probably. But what I um, come to realize uh, a few months ago is that actually... For example, you have the the sharing capabilities uh, that you see and uh, it's not uh, a team in the SharePoint team that is building the the sharing capability and then you have a team in the Word application group uh, that is building the same sharing functionality. It's actually one team that is building that sharing functionality and they move from product to product to build that sharing functionality in that um, specific application. So I thought that was a really uh, nifty way of uh, making sure that all the applications behave in the same way. And I think that's also super important, Uh, definitely with such a large uh, platform as Office 365 where you have all these different uh, applications and you kind of want them all to uh, work in the same way.
0: All right, cool. Well, I think we've probably, we could carry on talking about the sort of things that need to change and work and interact with each other forever. We
1: probably will for the rest of the day.
0: (laughs) We probably will for the rest of the day. That is very, very true. So I I kind (coughs) of, excuse me, fly in my throat. The problem with doing these podcasts in the sunshine, we have to deal with with, uh, all nature as it throws itself at us. Uh, So I thought I'd uh, try and do a bit of a roundup because this is uh, our last podcast from Barcelona. We get back to a normal work week tomorrow and take it from there. Um, We got a, a few tastings that we did live in uh, in various bars here in barcelona so i kind of just wanted to uh, we're going to do both of them we recorded two didn't we did uh, we're going to do both of them at the end of this podcast
1: yeah sure yeah all right cool yeah. so give um, people a double
0: hit yeah yeah we'll give you a double hit so i won't go into the details of the whiskies because i'm fairly sure that's covered and if not we'll just do some uh, quick intros a little bit later on but the first place we went to was uh, the collage art and cocktail social club So I have in front of me the um, Woodford Reserve normal bourbon uh, that we tasted uh, a few weeks ago, a few podcasts ago, and uh, Maren and I both adore this drink, okay, so that's fairly conventional. On my right, I have the Woodford Reserve rye. So if I take... Just consider the smell of the nose, which for me is the best part of a a whiskey. It's it's what it sort of smells like, what it odors produced, the invitation to the taste. The Woodford Reserve um, just gives you that full-bodied little sweet uh, depth sort of, it knows you're about to have a, a kind of explosion on the way in. Whereas the rye... The rye is subtle. It's also a hint of bitterness. It's, no, bitterness is too strong a word really. I'm gonna let Moraine just, um, yeah, I I don't know, but you can smell, that it's kind of an emotion. It's not really an a odor okay. in the background that sort of says, What you're about to get is the subtleties of something as opposed to the all-on smell but oh whatever it is I like it a little citrus I can I can get so I'm gonna give it a quick taste Wow this is really smooth subtle is the word here Subtle. It um, it's light on the tongue. It's got a nice long aftertaste on the sides of the tongue at the back. I have to say that I'm starting to get a real taste for rye whiskey. Not something. It, it was a slow coming for me. Rice, rye whiskey was not. You know, I like my malts. Uh, I guess I'm an English guy and I like malts. But this is really nice. It's sort of. Everything is subtle. It's subtly fruity, it's got a long taste, which sort of just eases away rather than sort of starts heavy and then dies away. It's there consistently, if you like, until eventually it just kind of fades away. There's a Rolling Stones song, yeah, fade away. It's exactly what it does. I'm going to try it again. Wow. I guess for me, strange, I'm going to say this, but it's like a fine wine. You can drink a a normal Chardonnay or on a hot hot summer's day. But if you go for something that's, you know, had the depth of time and taste, and you start to pick up the subtleties of the fruit, and that's what this is like. Rye whiskey, something I'm going to keep an eye on moving forward, I think. Um, Looking forward to tasting the Kilbegan Rye. I really need to get a bottle of that Kilbegan Rye. John Cashew just... I uh, pronounced it about a month ago, but uh, we've, I was unable to get someone when I was in Dublin a few weeks ago. So there you go. Um, Woodford Reserve Rye. Well, I actually think I
1: like it better than the Woodford Reserve, and I love the Woodford Reserve. The second one we did was at the uh, Mandarin Oriental, which is such an amazing place. So there was this uh, banker's bar bankers. that we sat in. Uh, really cool setup. It has all these uh, little bank vaults uh, on the on the ceiling, on the walls. Some of them you could get into, apparently. Yeah. So apparently there are ten that will open. So. But they hmm. didn't tell you which one. Yeah, they didn't tell us which ones. They they weren't open. Everything was closed. So, you, know, you could kind of tried to see which ones were open maybe there was some hidden surprise in there i don't know but anyway we 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 enjoyed that. That was the uh, the the staff there were really really cool. They they really
0: read their people. Moraine stood up and went, "Excuse me, could you show me where the bathroom is, please?" And I went, "We don't have one." So Moraine's looking at me
1: with such a straight face. I was, <laughs> yeah. That was just he devastated. Was hooked. Think. Yeah.
0: How can they not have a bathroom here? But the guy's only pissed himself laughing. And this was the waiter that had been serving his drink all day. He really yeah. got the hang hangovers. So oh,
1: uh, they were amazing staff. Very yeah. good. And the whiskey's there. Selection. The whiskey's there. Um, hmm. We. I took a Hudson, Hudson Manhattan rye which was uh, really uh, cool because I, I don't do a lot of rye whiskies and that one was really really spectacular. Uh, you had the uh, Lafraque quarter cask, which was very interesting.
0: We, we turned into a bit of a competition I think because we did a couple of rounds there and I think Moraine won the first round and I won the second round but you know you're going to hear about that now so here you go. Okay, so uh, Stephen Moran here. We're uh, continuing our journey through Barcelona. not sure why we're here. We we went to a great fish restaurant earlier uh, that was recommended by uh, a friend of mine, um, and uh, we're kind of now in the place called the Banker's Bar, which is part of the uh, the Mandarin Oriental Hotel. Uh, it came up in uh, Foursquare as a place for, for a whiskey. So we've we've ordered a, a couple of whiskeys. I have to say, I went for a for comfort whiskey. I went for a Belvedere, a Bel, sorry Belvini. Doublewood um, which uh, I guess disappointedly was another Sherry Cass whiskey and I'm starting to get a hang up about those uh, but it tastes nice it's warming it's uh, yeah, it tastes a sherry and sweet. Uh, there's a nuttiness on the aftertaste, which is which is pretty cool. Uh, but Moraine actually provided a bit of a puzzle. He went for something a little bit different, and I'm going to drop a it and just have the phone over and see what he why he chose this bourbon uh, against
1: all the other list of
0: things in the in the uh, in the whiskey list.
1: So yeah you know me I I always go for a heavily peated if I can help it I'm, I'm going to go for a heavily peated whiskey and you asked for a heavily peated yeah. didn't you and yeah. gave you So the the, the bartender uh, uh, dropped two bottles in front of me one was the Lagavulin, and one was the Arbeck both of them I already tasted quite a lot um, and then my eye fell on this really small bottle because these, this specific Rye only comes in a 375 milliliter bottle which is really tiny so I said okay that looks yeah. interesting interesting interesting, interesting. So, I took a look at it, and it's called Hudson Rye. Um, Of course, I asked the bartender, like, this thing looks super expensive, but turns out it was quite okay. Um, So, I got it. Um, Nice glass, big sphere ice cube. Brilliant, as this place should be. Um, And the taste is Strange. let's say um, also interesting. Oh, all right. um, okay interesting it is it is very peppery has lots of pepper notes uh, spiciness spiciness on the tongue, spiciness in the back of your throat you can even smell it as well um, so yeah it's definitely interesting and I might even say a nice addition for my home bar if I can find it a- anywhere so it's called Hudson, uh, Rye, Malt, yeah, look it up.
0: I have to say, because, because my Belvini is, is so familiar to me, I keep stealing Moraines and, and it is... I turned a rye down, actually, there was an Irish rye that I, I looked at on the list, and I turned it down because I've not found a rye that I've really sort of got friendly with. But this, uh, what is, was it? A Hudson, Hudson, yeah. Hudson Bourbon. It has got a really strong pepper on the sides of the tongue it's a great flavor there's cinnamon on the nose um, yeah I, I guess it's it's one of those whiskies that leaves a question mark in your mind. you look at it, you taste it it's got a great color uh, it's beautiful ambery brown um, and then you, you taste it. Uh, and that kind of pepper on the back.
1: You don't, I, you don't expect it.
0: No, it's not kind of supposed to be there. In fact, you go, pepper. and But it, it actually adds to the aftertaste. So I guess Moraine probably wins this one. I think he, he <laughs> yeah, uh, he's laughing at me but, here. But
1: I would I would definitely call for a rematch later on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we've got a few more bars to go. So, uh, yeah, Moraine won and uh, Steve Neal i <laughs>